0: Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 407, we're hearing more about fixed indexed annuities with these volatile financial markets. Is it time to reconsider? Plus, clarification on required minimum distributions being waived for non-spouse IRA beneficiaries in 2021 and 2022, taxation on trusts, and suggestions for a 40-year-old considering an early mini-retirement. Also, can a 62-year old immediately withdraw Roth conversion money? And finally, a strategy to claim social security early while working and invest the difference in a Roth, and Joan Big Al attempt to explain family social security benefits without phoning it in. I’m producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP, and Big Al Clopine CPA
1: tis the season alan it is love Love this time of year no oh, just it's just joyous isn't it it's family time
2: love <laughs> puppies oh my <laughs> goodness yeah. hallmark movies
1: yeah it's like i i can only stand a couple, you know i, I love the holidays and i like it and all yeah, but yeah.
2: it's like sometimes it's just too much uh you, you've always told me you like thanksgiving more oh, than, wait, wait, than wait. christmas I, i'm or... a
1: i'm like a routine guy You know what I mean? I like a routine. I get up early. I like to work out. I like to get my stuff. But then you you get like these real long weekends. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you You, know, I'm having a Coors Light on a Wednesday morning. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) what the hell is going on here? Got it got um, it okay but anyway so, so you need the structure i do I, I, yeah. I, I, just, to yeah. stay, just to stay yeah. sane. So, <laughs> so all the times it. that
0: you mention couch drunks you're actually talking about your I'm talking about potential myself. future
1: yes I, I i dream about it every night
0: <laughs> okay
1: it's like he can hardly wait to retire so he can be a cash drunk yeah, yeah. Right. it's like it's 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 a dangerous thing out there i mean it's a true thing you know people that retired that shouldn't retire End up probably, you know, getting depressed or doing things or getting bored. They don't have the purpose, and you know we've had shows about that. But yeah, we have. But we're going to move on. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with April here. She's like, okay. sorry, but none of my computers like your website. Ask Joe and Al on the air. We've had that before. I don't think anyone likes that website. <laughs> I don't even like that website.
0: I'm not um, a fan. Of
1: that. <laughs> it's terrible. So once again, going old school. Um, you can always email us, folks, at info at purefinancial.com. Color me sad. Don't be sad. It's it's okay <laughs> to send us an email. Oh, anyway, on to the good stuff. Okay. I've noticed lately that more and more radio advisors who say they are fiduciaries have been touting the benefits of fixed indexed annuities. Um. So we got a couple examples. I don't need to go into these examples, do I? No. No. So, okay. So I have been told by my financial advisor and heard on your show that annuities are not cost effective. And I believe the current push on annuities is byproduct of the current market volatility as pure financial reconsidered placement of annuities in client portfolios. Still die Pepsi drinker and still drive my 2008 uh, Civic Honda with 109,000 miles. Thanks for your show. I listen to every Sunday and Tuesdays while I'm getting ready for work. Wow. She so listens she listens half. to
0: radio and podcast. Maybe wow.
1: half on Sunday, half on Tuesday. It could, it could be. Um. Okay. Kim. So let's talk about this. It's been a while. So, of course, when m- the market is volatile, yeah. The annuity sales guys come out. Yeah, because what's their pitch? It's like you can get stock market returns with no downside risk. Sounds pretty good. Sounds great. Yeah. You know, hey, well, the market's going to recover. You can get into this product and you can get the market returns. But guess what? If the market goes sour again, you'll never lose your money. Yeah. Okay. the An in indexed annuity is basically something to give you CD rates, maybe a little bit better than CD rates. So that's how they were packaged and created. But you get a sales force out there and they're like, hey, we can, because what the the annuity company is doing is buying options on a bond. And the option could be the S&P 500. Right. And then you've got a point in time. So you look at the S&P 500 today and let's say you look at the S&P 500 12 months from now. Okay. So that's a 12 month point to point. And then if the S&P 500 is up or if the S&P 500 is down, well, if it's up, you get whatever that spread. If if it's down, you don't lose any money. So it's an option that they're buying. So there's no dividends. You're not buying it. It's a derivative. You're not buying into the S&P 500 index fund, right? There's no stocks you own. And so if you look at the S&P 500, Al, I would say, and don't quote me on this. Can we just spitball this real quick without? <laughs> this any is a spitball. We we can spitball. It's just there's a, a a a lot. How do I say this? There's a a, a very large portion of the total return of the S and P 500 comes from dividends. Sure. Do you think that would get through compliance? I think so. Right. Well, it's at least at least a good portion, a, a fair portion,
2: yeah, a, a smidge,
1: a smidge. <laughs> I'm not sure what the full percentage is, but it's it's more than people think.
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I mean, the average dividend rate is two percent. I mean,
1: yeah, but you give, add all take. those up on the overall total return of the overall market, it's I know it's, it's significant. It. Sure, yeah, it's I significant. Agree. So, okay, so th- they package these up to say, all right, well, we want to get a little bit better than CD rates, so let's. Create this complex product inside the shell of an annuity. And the annuity grows tax deferred. And some people use <clears throat> this as a kicker for like a guaranteed income stream. Sure. Right. So then you have to understand well, what are you really purchasing here? Are you purchasing this for maybe an added CD rate? Um, if that's what you want to buy, then then that's fine, right? Because you're not going to get. Anywhere near stock market like returns, sure, with no downside risk. So, but the salespeople out there, let's see if you go to you know the steak dinner ones, the, the the chicken sandwich or the chicken dinners, yeah. Steak dinner, steak whatever. dinners. Yeah, you and I used to do those for TD Ameritrade. We did. Wasn't that the worst existence of it our was lives? Not fun. We stopped it. <laughs> oh my god, people just yell at you. <laughs> so you know. But Right, you go. You can get these invitations. A lot of people get invitations. They go every single night. Sure. Right, and then this it's is free what dinner. they're getting, It's a free dinner, yeah. right? And they're good
2: places too. Yeah, and you'd see a lot of the same people. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The next next the month circuit. when you did it, oh, yeah. okay. I remember
1: you. So, so yes, if the, the, you're not going to get stock like market, stock market like returns with no downside risk, what you're buying is kind of a, a CD with a little bit. A little bit of juice in there. Now, Now she did ask about fixed index annuities. That's a fixed index annuity. Oh, that's where it is. Yeah, because you can't call them equity index annuities anymore. Got it. Because so, so that's not a fixed... Pic- people would call them equity index Got annuities it. because so. they, were, they were saying they were tied to an equity index, which they were, the S&P 500, but they're not getting S&P 500 returns. They're buying a call option on the S&P 500. And if they get... I mean it's,
2: so, it's so, so a fixed annuity is different than a fixed
1: indexed, indexed annuity. Yeah, a fixed annuity is still a CD rate type investment. Sure. A fixed index annuity is a CD rate type annuity. A fixed index annuity might get you a little bit higher than a straight CD rate. Got it. Okay. Okay. Because you get a little bit of a kicker with the option. Yeah. But what they're saying is, you know, that you look at the illustrations. They're showing almost market returns. True. Yeah. Well, how about 7%, 10%? Well, you get a cap. So there's all sorts of different f- fine print here. You know, you got caps. You, you, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. However, you just want to make sure that you do your due diligence. You want to do your homework. You, you, these people that are selling these and are making a lot of commission, I don't know how they can call themselves fiduciaries because I truly believe that they're not. Um, however, you know, in their minds, if they think that that's actually in the best interest, I mean, who who's the fiduciary police? I, I don't know, but I did look up the two people
2: indicated here and one of them sells alternative investments, which are typically commission type, not always, but typically. And the other one is, uh, it does a rating system on investments. So neither one is what I would call it necessarily a fiduciary
1: investor, but who's the fiduciary police? Uh, so let's say I'm going to start selling annuities, right? And I'm going to make, because these commissions could be, let's say you give a hundred thousand bucks. I mean, it could be 10, 12, 15, 18% on that hundred grand. So I'm going to make $12,000 when you give me your hundred grand.
2: Good. Right.
1: Right. And then I'm going to tell you I'm the fiduciary.
2: Well, it's because a lot of firms are hybrid. So they're, they're fiduciary with this arm and they're salesman on this arm and how, where does it meet in the middle? Hard to know. So. I don't know. All right. That's my two cents
0: financial decisions you make today will impact your entire retirement future the best plan for you and your family depends on where you are now and what you envision for your retirement schedule a free one-on-one personalized financial assessment with an experienced professional on Joan big al's team at pure financial advisors a true fee-only fiduciary they will not sell you investments of any kind they're required by law to act in the client's best interest so they will give you a straight story on your investments, whether annuities fit into your retirement plan, and ways to legally pay less tax now and in retirement just for a start. You only have a few more weeks to put strategies in place to lower your 2022 taxes, so schedule your financial assessment ASAP. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, then click free financial assessment.
1: Um, got a couple RMD questions, Alan. Do you, hey. Okay. Yeah, we got uh, Greg writes in uh, from Temecula, and then David from Taga, Taga K, Tega K. Is that right? Tega K? I don't know what the hell that Sounds is. Sounds good. All Tega? Right. Tega? Tega K? Cool. I want to go. So, I guess a couple weeks ago, we were... T- we're talking about this 10-year rule, the Secure Act. Right. And then it was like you asked for a reference about inherited IRAs by non-spouse having to take an RMD every year in the 10-year window. In Forbes, IRS notice, Forbes <laughs> and IRS notice, uh, 2022-53 will apply to 2023 distribution year. They are not going to penalize anyone who did not take distributions at 21 or 22. The IRS proposed the change in 2022 and said it will finalize in 2023. Joe said he didn't know anything about this. It's supply proof. Maybe someone in the office has heard about this and give you a little bit more clarity. And then David kind of followed up and he goes, hey, I was listening to the most recent episode on my drive home last night. I believe Joe and Al were called out by a listener regarding inherited IRAs and the impact of the SAFE Act. The caller was likely referring to the recent notice below. Thanks for all your spitballs.
0: I think you missed SECURE Act.
1: So let's clear up all this confusion now. Yeah, yeah, let's clear it up. Well, first of all, what are we talking about? We're talking about a required minimum distribution. And there are no more basically RMDs after the SECURE Act. So prior to the SECURE Act that was signed a couple of years ago, if you were a non-spouse beneficiary and if you inherited an IRA, You could stretch out the tax liability over your life expectancy. Got it. So you're six years old. Yeah.
2: And so you have a pretty low RMD at the start. (laughs) Because 180th. (laughs) Something like that. You're going to live to 86 years old. Right. But but nevertheless, you got to take a little bit each year.
1: You could stretch it out over your life. Yeah. And there was confusion. And there's still confusion because people were like, well, I inherited an IRA. I don't have to take a distribution until I turn 70 and a half. Right. Uh, that's when the, the, the RMD age was 70 and a half. Yeah. No, now it's age 72. But anytime you inherit a retirement account, there is there was an RMD, but you were able to stretch it out over your life expectancy. So the tax impact wasn't awful. Right. And the IRS knew this. And they were just like, they're just parlaying, like people that had very large IRAs were just parlaying wealth left and right because you know kids would inherit millions of dollars in retirement accounts And then they could stretch the tax out over many, many, many years. So they were like, okay, well, let's close this loophole. And so now when you inherit a retirement account, you have to take the money out within 10 years.
2: Yeah. If you're not a spouse. If you are a non-designated beneficiary. And there's like five more. Like, for
1: example, if you're disabled or minor child, things like that. Yeah. So there's a few exceptions. But for the most of us, non-designated beneficiary or I believe that's a term has to take it out within 10 years. Right. And you don't have to take it out each year. You have to take it out within the 10th year with one exception. Yeah. And it's a big one. If the owner of the IRA died after his required beginning date and what your required beginning date is April 1st, the year after you turn 72. Sure. So let's say you you inherit someone's retirement account that is 80 years old. So now you inherit the account. You have to take his or her RMD because let's say that 80-year-old didn't take the RMD, right? Passed away, deceased. You're the beneficiary. As soon as that person dies, you are now the beneficiary owner of that. So you are responsible for the funds out of that account. So if that owner didn't take an RMD that year, you still, the the RMD still has to come out of that account. Sure. Okay. And also you will have to follow the RMD schedule of the deceased. And then by the 10th year, everything has to come out. Right. So a little confusing. It is confusing. And and it's
2: even more confusing than that because there's different life expectancy tables and all kinds of stuff. However, I will maybe say it very simply, required beginning date, and you're right, April 1st of the year after you turned 72. So if the the person that you inherited this IRA from was passed April 1st, the following year after age 72. Let's just say 73. <laughs> yeah,
1: if they were taking required yeah.
2: distributions. Yeah, yeah. So you, you basically have to continue in their footsteps and, and take at least as much as they did for year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then 10, you have to distribute everything else, whatever's left over. But you could
1: take more than the RMD each Always. year.
2: And that's true in any case. And
1: that's why it's a required minimum. That, that's right.
2: Now, on the other hand, if you inherit, like, let's say you inherit an IRA from somebody that's 69 70. years old, 70, whatever, before their required beginning date, that rule doesn't apply. You can wait till year 10 if you want to and withdraw all the proceeds out at that time. And that was that was from that notice 2022-53, which was done this year by the IRS because it wasn't very clear. Before then, because it seemed to most professionals, us included, is that you could wait to the 10th year on everybody, basically following the five year rule, but that it turned out the IRS wasn't thinking that way or our politicians weren't thinking that way so they clarified that, then when they clarified it they said. Well, you should have taken them in 2021 and 2022 so you're going to be penalized and there was such an outroar on that that they came back and said okay we're gonna we're gonna forget the penalties for 2021 2022 we're gonna start this in 2023 but i want to say one more thing and that is that the regulation 2022-53. It's not even a regulation. It's not. Yes, yeah, a notice. Yeah, it's a notice. It's not even lie yet. It, the final is going to come out in 2023, so we don't even know for sure. So then you don't
1: even have to take the RMD in 2023. You'll be waived to 2024, <laughs> and then by 2024 they're going to have a secure act. 3.0. Who knows? It's going to change the whole
2: damn system again. But at the moment, let's we'll go off this notice, even though it's not final, and just say if you inherit the IRA before the the decedent's required beginning
1: date, then you can do whatever you want. But you do have to withdraw everything by year ten. And again, this is non-spouse beneficiaries. Yeah, true. Right. So if it's a spouse, you can always roll the spouses into your own. If you want, you can keep it in the decedents, whatever. It's probably best to to combine, but there's other things that you got to consider there too, depending on the age differential of the spouses and so on. But the 10 year rule in the secure act is, I'm just going to keep it simple. It's a non-spouse beneficiary. There are some exceptions that can still stretch, but for the most part, it's um, for the rest of us, those are the rules. So Um, so if I inherit your IRA or vice versa, correct? Because we are not, we're not married. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it feels, although
0: some people would say you might seem like you are,
1: some Uh, some people might say that, um, we got Elisa, Elisa, she goes, Hey, Joe, big out to me again. Uh, please clarify trust taxes for us. Okay, If assets are in the trust, let's say, for example, non Roth mutual funds which I believe are usually taxed at 15%, but now are in the trust. Are they taxed at a much higher rate? What about bank accounts and home sale proceeds? How much is the trust going to cost in taxes? Did I make the right decision in setting up this trust? I understand there is high estate tax limits, but what are other taxes involved? Thanks for educating us and being so funny. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Uh great question. This is a good question. So yeah, this is why th- this whole financial planning business is a little confusing. Because there's two different types of trust. Yeah, exactly. There's an irrevocable trust and there's a revocable trust. Right.
2: So let's let's start with revocable, which is what most people have. Most people have a living trust. A living trust is a see-through trust, it's as if it weren't there. So in other words, the trust earns interest and dividends because you're supposed to put your trust name on your bank accounts and your brokerage accounts, but there is no trust return because it's a see-through. So it's like it doesn't exist. For tax purposes. For tax purposes, right. For tax purposes. And so interest, dividends, capital gains show up on your tax return. That's the most common case. Okay. So maybe with uh, Elisa, we'll Assume that this is a a, a Yeah. 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 So, and,
1: and and what this trust does for her is that it avoids probate. Yeah. So she did the right thing, uh, depending on what state sh- that she lives in. Let's say sure. she lives in California where we're at, is that all right, you you set up a living trust and it, when Elisa dies, right? Then the successor trustee takes over and distributes the trust to the beneficiary, and it avoids a whole probate process. It's um, probate is lengthy. It's expensive. It's public record. There's a lot of negatives to probate. Um, so people want to avoid that process for their heirs. So they set up this living trust and basically it avoids all of that. Um, so it's just another entity that you you title your, your belongings to. Um, but for tax purposes, it's a see-through. Yeah. Now there's a couple
2: ways you can end up with a revocable trust, which is completely different. Irrevocable. Irrevocable. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, w- the first one is Uh, the the living trust that you used to used to be common to have an a trust and a b trust and when the first spouse passed away half the assets were put in one trust half the assets were put in the other trust typically the b trust then became an irrevocable trust and paid its own taxes unless the income was distributed, which can be if the income is distributed, then the trust doesn't pay the tax, it goes to the beneficiary. So that's one way to get an irrevocable trust. Another way is to just simply set one up. And you would do that if you have a lot of assets, and you're afraid about estate taxes, you put assets that have a potential for high appreciation in the irrevocable trust. So you get it out of your state, but now that trust has to pay its own taxes and the tax rates for the trust are the exact same as individuals. It's just that you hit the higher brackets much, much, much sooner. For example, the 37% highest tax bracket for a trust starts a little over $13,000 of income. So it's not like, Five or six hundred thousand of income, it's thirteen thousand. And the highest capital gain rate of 20% starts at also a little over thirteen thousand. So if it's an irrevocable trust and you're not distributing the income uh, from that trust to the beneficiary, then the trust itself has to pay the same rates as an individual. It just hits those higher rates much sooner.
1: And I think where where we've talked about this in the past is for those of you that named a trust, your beneficiary of your retirement account. And the only reason why people would name a trust is to control the assets after you passed right is like hey i you know junior can't handle these assets so i'm going to set up a trust the assets are going to sit in trust and then the trust is going to distribute out the money when i decided to before i died right. so that's an irrevocable trust the, the the kid couldn't get into the trust and say give me more cash you know the, the the trustee would be like no here's the rules of the trust it's irrevocable and it's set up on xyz you know um you know dis, uh, you know uh, distribution schedule whatever it is but if it sits in there, and it gets more complicated than this, if it's discretionary or non-conduit <laughs> trust or whatever, and we are not attorneys, let me let me just explain that real quick. But if you have an irrevocable trust, the money sits in that irrevocable trust, and it produces income that's not distributed to the trust to another entity, then the trust is going to pay those taxes at a higher rate.
2: That's right. and And typically, Joe, as far as distributions, it would be common to distribute interest and dividends from an irrevocable trust you don't have to but it's it's not uncommon it's it's less common to distribute capital gains so capital gains are often stuck inside the irrevocable trust unless the trust document allows it so
1: that was clear as mud <laughs>
2: she's going to ask another question
1: next. Week. but i would so i i think for everyone for most everyone that listens to our program is that, you know, if you have a living trust, you're just, it's a see-through trust. It's going to be taxed at uh, your normal rate. Yeah. Don't worry about it. If you have the trust as the beneficiary of your retirement account, I would highly reconsider that and look and, and change this because the rules have changed. We just talked earlier about the stretch IRA going away. And so because of that, you know, if you want to hold assets in trust before you could do that, but the RMD would get distributed out. But there is no RMD, right? So it just sits in trust. And then when it gets distributed out later, then that's when it's going to get taxed at huge rates. Yeah, huge rates. And then
2: the income on that is at high rates too. Although you may still want that. If you if you don't trust your children, you think they're going to spend it yeah, all. D- yeah, and you the, want to spread it out over their lifetime. You got to give half to the IRS and
1: give half <laughs> to the junior. True
0: is the season to give and to get back. We give billions of dollars to charitable organizations throughout the year. Learn seven strategies that'll maximize the tax deduction you get when donating to charity. Join Big Al Clopine and me for a free webinar on charitable giving and steps on informed donating Wednesday, December 14th at noon Pacific time. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and register for the webinar. You can also download free financial resources like the companion charitable giving guide and the estate planning organizer finally spread the love and share the knowledge hit the share button to share ymyw and the free resources with your family friends and colleagues got ship of fools
1: that's a good name sounds intriguing wonder wonder where he's going with that little minneapolis yeah all right big al joe andy i'm 40 years old who enjoys a glass of brown over ice you want a little glass of brownies, Big Al? No idea. I would say coffee. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is that
0: is that bourbon or whiskey or something?
1: Yeah, it's whatever's brown that comes out okay. of a brown bottle. <laughs> Got it. I like a glass of brown. So
2: that's something you know about because because yeah, I experience.
1: Yeah, I like bourbon.
2: Okay, right. whiskey.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, every now and again, not not too often. I'm trying to be cool lately, you know. Got I'm it. A little scotch.
2: Okay, you have kind of upgraded. Be, but
1: yeah, part. but it just burns the hell out of my throat.
2: <laughs> just like, and your stomach yeah, and just, esophagus.
1: Yeah. I drive a JGC. Jeep Grand Cherokee. Oh, well spicy. Jeep Grand Cherokee. How did you know that, Andy? Is that what you say? I Googled JGC yeah, car. car. Oh, when you're <laughs> when you're at the car show. <laughs> I wanna look for some JGCs. Um, I'm planning to take five to 10 years off of full-time work and sail to Eastern US, Bahamas, Caribbean, etc. The general consensus, consensus is that quitting work in your highest earning years is a terrible idea, but you don't hear about the potential financial benefits. Specifically, I'm thinking about doing Roth conversions of the roughly $450,000 in my 401k while I'm living off my cash savings and brokerage accounts could significantly offset my lack of income for these years. Uh, yeah, that's not a huge benefit there, ship of fools. Well, it is a benefit. <laughs> it, it's a very small one. You, you know what? I'm going to quit work, right? So I can do conversions. So, so I can do Roth conversions, right? I'm making a nice high income, and I'm going to say, you know what? There's a benefit of me not taking this hundred fifty thousand dollars salary, right? Well, it's a, it's a. You're talking yourself into it. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm going to go uh, go to the Caribbean. Yep. All right. So he bought a sailboat, or she bought a sailboat. Ship of Fools bought a sailboat. Yeah. Um, I plan to travel and live on the cash. Uh, so, seventy thousand dollars in cash. When I leave in the next two to three years, I'll have two hundred thousand dollars in cash. A brokerage account of about two hundred thousand, HSA of twenty thousand, Roth IRA of forty grand. I plan to spend between thirty to fifty thousand dollars during these years. All right. So, how many years is he gonna? Or five of fools? Ten. Oh. five,
2: to, five ten. to ten. Yeah. Okay. So let's call it forty thousand. We'll split the difference. So a couple hundred thousand to four hundred thousand over that period of time. All right.
1: I drew. A, I grew up in a low income household and never increased my standard of living to that of which most people who make six figures have done. I know this lifestyle to which I've dreamed of living for ten plus years will require me and my plan to be extremely flexible, and I'm okay with that. I'm working in healthcare. My entire career could could fairly easily return to that career full-time or part-time to offset my cruising kitty. (laughs) My cruising kitty. I've even embraced working behind a bar part-time on the trip if need be. My question for you all is what other opportunities are there for a youngish person who is thinking about taking a sabbatical or mini retirement, uh, I like the idea ship of fools. What the hell? You only live once. So you bought uh, the sailboat already. You got the plan. You've had a dream for ten years. You know. You know. I was gonna you say got a little. You S- get your brown. That's you know, right. Put the little ice listen to this podcast <laughs> and go to the, the hospital or wherever you work and say, go pound sand.
2: That's right. I'm going. I got, got the sailboat.
1: You know what? I agree with you, Joe.
2: I think uh, life is short. And okay. You, I'm leaving. I'm quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was my line to you, <laughs> but nevertheless, life is short. If you can pull this off at age 40, you didn't mention the spouse. So I, I'm assuming you're single, but um, if you could pull this off at age 40 and you got a plan and you're in a profession that's fairly easy to leave and come back, right? I mean, you probably have to get retrained on whatever new procedures there are in five or 10 years, but you could very easily do that probably. I would say, why not? It's easier when you're single. It's easier when you don't have kids. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's easier when you don't have a mortgage. And I and I would say, if you can pull it off, go for it. Why not? I'm going to make a prediction now. Yep. I'm going to say, ship a fools... His first six months will be heaven on earth, and then between six months and two years, this is not quite what I thought. Yeah, and in two years he's back.
1: Could you imagine living on a boat for five years? No, Alone? A, a, or, a, or ten years? Oh, I could, <laughs> I could imagine like <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> could, There's only so much Coors Light. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I could, I could hang out if it was docked. But, yeah right oh, i would get seasick i would be like miserable well, plus you know.
2: neither you or i know how to sail so yeah. that would be a problem too yeah you
1: know yeah it <laughs> sounds really romantic <laughs> it does i'm gonna sail the caribbean you know I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go, for 10 years go into all these ports and meet all these just exotic these people people oh, yeah then you know what i'll just go behind the bar and 10 bar you know just yeah, like yeah.
2: tom cruise did in the bahamas yeah. or whatever <laughs> And cocktail. Right. And maybe if there's a hospital that needs my help, I'll I'll do that for a couple of months. I'm good for another couple of years. Uh, I'm going to, he's like, get me
1: back to any Minneapolis. I don't care. I'll go to Iowa. (laughs) I don't mind the snow anymore. I love the snow. (laughs) I just need to sit on a couch that doesn't move. I need to drink my brown on a couch. (laughs) Yes. I would like interaction with people that don't smell like fish.
2: It's, I don't know, ship of fools. I'm just trying to be realistic. Remember when I was going to retire at age 47? Yeah, that worked out well for you. Yeah. (laughs) It's
1: like, well, now what, right? Oh, no. All right. Well, good luck with that. Got Steve. Writes in, I'm 62 years old. Open up my Roth IRA in 2006. I would like to convert money from my 457B plan to my Roth IRA. My question is, I'm over 59 and a half. Will I be able to withdraw all of the converted money in earnings right away without taxes or penalties? Thanks, Steve. Let's see, well. Uh Yes. And the reason is
2: because, Steve, you're over 59 and a half and you've had a Roth IRA for more than five years, right? So the answer is yes. Now, we wouldn't recommend it. That defeats the whole purpose of a Roth. <laughs> but just, just for peace of mind, you can, if if need be, you can withdraw all those funds, principal and earnings uh, the next day if you
1: want to. Because he's 62, there's two five-year clocks. One for conversions, right? It's every, every conversion, you have a five-year clock. We would get this question over oh and over yeah. and over again. It's like, yes, until you turn 59 and a half. And then that doesn't apply anymore. Right. And he already has an, uh, a Roth IRA over five years. Now, if he didn't have a Roth IRA. Right. If he didn't if he didn't open up that Roth IRA in 2006, then the answer is no. No, it's correct. Right. He would have to wait until 67 to mm-hmm. take the money out because he's
2: 62. Yeah, five years after. That's right. He could still take the amount converted that becomes principal,
1: but he couldn't take any growth or income after that. So here's a little tidbit for y'all. If you don't have a Roth IRA, I would establish one, right? Because then that starts your five-year clock. You can start one with a hundred dollars. Or a dollar, depending on the custodian, right? Right, and if you don't qualify from earned income, you make too much income. And what are those qualifications right now? A couple hundred thousand if you're yeah. married, and one hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah, if you're I think it. I think it phases
2: out about one hundred thirty-five single for doing a Roth contribution, and around two hundred ten thousand
1: ish for if you're married. So if you make higher income, right, and we've talked about the backdoor be, a, you know, I don't even know why I mentioned this because everyone has a backdoor that <laughs> listens to this show. Start right. your Roth IRA. Just start your five-year clock, if nothing else. Yeah, and if you don't qualify
2: for backdoor or it doesn't make sense, just do a $100 Roth conversion. We, who cares? Pay, pay the tax. Pay the tax. You're in the highest bracket. Who cares? Start, I don't, start your five-year clock. Yeah, I don't, and, and furthermore... Uh, it doesn't matter when you started in the year, it goes all the way back to January 1st of that year to start your clock.
1: Yeah, so we're at the tail end here of 2023 or 2022. So it would start Jan 1, 2022. Yeah, so go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joan Al on the air um, and you'll end up getting rejected. And then you're going to have to type in info at purefinancial.com. But try it anyway, because we're working on the website. Got it. You still working on it, Jeff? No, not. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got Ed from Southeast Iowa. Okay. I'm 66 years old. No debt. Net worth about $2 million. Good for you, Ed, Southeast yeah, Iowa. Yeah, that's great. $2 million in Iowa is like $40 million. <laughs> 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 that's a That's a good Cal- check, right? <laughs> California. Uh, official retirement age is January 1st, 2023. Well, Ed, that's not an age; that's a date. But I'm, I think I think he meant his full retirement age. If you read on, okay. I'm still working as an engineer. Well, he's an engineer, so of course he's probably right. <laughs> With Social Security at risk in long-run pending legislation, I'm considering taking Social Security while working and in investing the difference. I've heard arguments of why not to do this, but I want to explore the benefits of doing this. Network investing 20% of salary, 401k, 5% of the Roth. Maybe route more into that Roth from salary and using Social Security payments instead to live off. Things like that, I should get about $2,900 if I would begin taking Social Security in January. Could you speak to this, please? Thank you in advance. Really like your show. Okay, Ed. I like your idea. Yeah, I don't have a problem either. Zero. If you're going to invest it, if you're not going to spend it, if you could put a lot of it into a Roth and have it compound tax-free.
2: Yeah. You have to be full retirement age to do this if you're working. Otherwise, you're going to be limited on how much you get to keep yourself. But it sounds like he'll be at full retirement age on January 1st, 2023, and still working as an engineer. It's a great strategy if you if you actually do save and invest. And it's a great strategy if
1: you're not so sure about the future of Social Security. Right. Yeah, so if you delay Social Security, the rules say that you get an eight percent delayed retirement credit, right? And so it's like, okay, well, I delay, and then now I get a lot higher fixed benefit, okay, um, at age seventy, and then then I have a you know that that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. But we don't know when we're going to die. Yeah, that's the thing. That, right? If we knew when we were going to die, I'll tell you exactly what to do to the penny. <laughs> right. But we don't. And, and we're
2: living longer. And the, the actuarial tables for Social Security, they came up with them in the 1980s. So we're actually living longer than that. So at least on average, we're doing better than what the tables would indicate, which would mean on average, you're better waiting. But average, is a it's not the right uh, uh,
1: strategy for everybody. So here's my argument not to do this. But he's already heard it, but maybe I can give a different spin. He's got a couple million dollars in retirement accounts. He's 66. He lives in Southeast Iowa. He probably doesn't spend a ton of money. He saved a lot. Yeah. Right. And so instead of taking the money now and then paying tax, right, because that's all income, it's going to be 85% tax and then whatever tax rate that he's in while he's working, I don't know what the true net effect is going to be. Sure. Versus delaying. And then he retires. And then he starts converting, right? Because he has very little income at that point. And then he takes a lot higher benefit at age seventy. And then if he can arrange his affairs in such a way, from a distribution standpoint, to make his Social Security less taxable, right? Well, then your net effect over you know a certain life expectancy. He's the engineer. He can he can map this stuff out. He, he could create. I'm just kind of making this rich. stuff out as I go in my head. <laughs> but if if he maps this stuff out. And says, okay, well, look at the tax rate, look at provisional income. How is social security going to be taxed today if I take it now while I'm working? And what's my true net effect? And what can how much can I save? And where am I going to put it? And what rate of return, you know, expectation can I get? Because yeah. it's all about the assumptions that you run.
2: Yeah. So you bring up a good point, is you got to consider taxation. In this whole thing. And if you can, instead of getting extra Social Security income, convert into the Roth, which will be tax free, you defer your Social Security, which, worst case, um, up to you know, 15% is tax free. In some cases, more is tax free. 15% of your Social Security is tax free. And in many or most states, it's tax free too. So it's tax favored income. On the other hand, if you are concerned about the viability of Social Security, in the future, then this is a great strategy. You can take it. Who cares?
1: Yeah. Right. Because it's gonna go broke anyway, and everything's gonna to go to hell in a handbasket right. and we're right. just gonna chill with
2: my, my own personal thought is I'm not gonna do something like this because I do believe in the viability, only because we've had problems before and it's always been fixed. And I believe it, we have a vested interest as a country to fix it in the future.
1: Vote for big Al twenty
2: twenty
1: four election. We got uh Stevo. Steve the Rhino. Steve O'Reno. Steve O'Reno. Reno. Okay. Steve O'Reno from Central Illinois. I like Rhino better. That I know sounds I like the rhino. That, that sounds like tougher somehow. But Steve O'Reno, I guess is kind of like catchy. True. All right. We got hi gel big out. My question is about family benefits for social security. I've heard this topic addressed in some previous podcasts, but honestly. I felt that you phoned in your answers. We phoned it in. Just phoned. I it was in. in Hawaii. I just phoned it in. I was like, I, I could care less about this. <laughs> uh, well, now, with Joe being a proud papa in a relatively advanced age. Ooh, okay. <laughs> now we're getting a little personal. Steve, I'll read it. Shot to the heart. <laughs> oh, my God. Advanced age. Yeah. Uh, Are you advanced age? No, not even close. Perhaps now would be a good time to re-examine this subject. Generally, my financial advisor's recommendation is to wait as long as you can until age 70 to claim Social Security so that your benefit can grow as much as it is allowed to. Um, I'll buy that. But in my case, it's not so clear. I have two girls, eight and nine. I'm 57. All right. So he was... um. So I'm living Steno Reno's life just 10 years earlier. You're pretty close. This is going to be you in 10 years. (laughs) Joe the Rhino. (laughs) So you better listen up to your advice to Steve. Oh, Steve-O Reno. Here we go. Uh, My wife is four years younger. Yeah, I got you beat there. Um, (laughs) With a primary insurance amount of 2,404 at my full retirement age of 67. Okay. If I claim family benefits for my two kids and wife at age sixty-two, I'll get nearly fifty grand for five years or so. Then I can suspend my benefits when I turn sixty-seven until I'm seventy, if all goes well. While my retirement benefit will be lower than if I waited to age seventy, I'll get a big chunk of change I normally wouldn't get when the kids are in middle school in high school, just when I need it. Maybe it can make Joe an additional case study for this question. Uh, now, thank you. <laughs> now to the important stuff. Um, I live in the least miserable town in Illinois. I have two Hondas. You drink more than enough for several lifetimes in college, so I don't <laughs> drink any longer. Thanks. <laughs> I got it, Steve O'Reno. Okay, I understand that, Steve O. Um, so, so, what do you think? So, yeah, for sure. You take it at sixty-two. You take the family benefit. So, uh, explain the family benefit a little bit, there, Big Al.
2: Yeah. So, if you have if you have minor children. I think. And all the way up to full retirement age, I think, is that how it goes? So in other words, if you're claiming your benefits, you're phoning it in. I'm phoning it. in. I'm, get, where's, my lifeline? where's my lifeline? So then at age 62, which is when you can start claiming your benefits, then if you claim your benefits, you're entitled for family benefits for your minor children. Correct. And Correct? spouse.
1: And spouse. Yeah. Because she's that much younger. Right, right, right. So, so anyway, uh, but then so he's going to get the family benefit total is 50 grand. And so he's going to be able to get that for several years. Right, right. Right. For five years until he turns full retirement age. It's like and then the kids are older and, and yeah. so on and so forth. Right. Sure. So, it, yeah, you you do the math there. That makes sense all day long. Yeah, I 100% agree. And so
2: that's why you have to do the math, right? So in other words, if you're getting a whole bunch of of cash that you wouldn't have otherwise got, then that mitigates the lower payment for life. And so you just have to kind of run the numbers and see how it works out. The other part of this too, is when you're running the numbers, it's more important to get money today than in 10 years from now or whatever it it becomes. So think about that too, time value money. But yeah, I would say, on the surface steve it seems like a great
1: plan the, the only thing that he has to run is that if he's going to continue to work at 62 true because if you claim your your benefits early and you are still working there's going to be an additional reduction of those benefits as you work so is you,
2: that is that true for family benefits steve? i have
1: no idea i wish you weren't going to ask me that. <laughs> well, it in. that that's why i asked the group yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out in about 20 years <laughs> when it's important, you to know you. when it's important to me, <laughs> got it. Um, yeah. All right, Stevo Reno, uh, thanks for the cool name and thanks for the question. <laughs> oh, that's it for us. We gotta go. Joe's got your money, bro. Well.
0: Color Me Bad, the YMYW catchphrase, Joe Meets Hans in Hawaii, and the word from above in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Color me sad.
1: Don't be sad. It's like Color Me Bad. Don't you were going to say that. Favorite group of all time. Color Me Bad. Really? Oh, yeah. And what
0: was their hit song?
1: What? um, I Want to Sex You Up.
0: That's the one. All right. Al, did you know that?
2: So good. I missed that uh, whole group.
0: (laughs) What? I was probably raising kids. you got to be in our age group.
2: Wow.
1: Telling Me that, and I would be dancing to that was
2: that was that like a one hit wonder band
1: I don't yes. think so I like yes. song that Color yes. Me Bad came out with <laughs>
2: all, all seven
1: of them <laughs> they were so good great album got it got uh, yeah, a guy oh man like parachute pants really oh, yeah. with a little beanie like was john he?
2: lennon was he the lead singer oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right you gotta have style if you're a lead singer
0: <laughs> wow you yeah. really did know this group didn't you oh now? yeah
2: dress <laughs> just like
1: them in high school you still do sometimes <laughs> still, yeah. we go to parties
2: parachute pants it's like where'd that come from? Yeah. now i know
1: little half shirt yeah gold chains <laughs> singing oh, i like, want to sex you up yeah, just yelling. Now, now I know to stay away from you yeah. when you're in that outfit. This reminds me of um, this guy I met in Hawaii yeah. named Hans. Hans, okay. So I was in Hawaii um, for my buddy Mikey Martin's um, return trip from out out at sea. Oh, Good yeah, point. yeah, yeah, right, right, sure. So Danny, his um, Mike's wife, and I went out to meet with him and her family. Yeah. And so we rented this house on the beach. And this this guy lived next to this house. Got and it. His name was Hans. Got it. Okay. And he was just a nomad. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very cheap. Oh, very cheap! And what he would do is paddle board all day. And he <laughs> was a traveling nurse, right? So yeah. he was in healthcare. Yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, I work when I want to work, and I can go in here part time." And he's like, "I haven't really worked in twenty-some odd years." The guy was like probably sixty-something. It just ripped, in great shape. Yeah. He's yeah, The happiest guy, living the life he wanted. Yeah. But he was kind of he was odd. He was a little he was a little odd. Maybe Ship of Fools is a little odd. But he brought me to his little hut, right? So he had this tiny little house and he's like yeah here come in i'm gonna show you my place and then so i'm walking up the stairs to, yeah. to his little like room and there's these pictures of like this naked lady that was like 70 70 year old pictures you know like in the 70s <laughs> like fair faucet hair yeah totally naked and oh, I was okay. like, Hans, whoa, what what's going on here? Who's this? He's like, Oh yeah, that's my ex-wife. <laughs> and there's, like, uh, there's like there's like like five pictures, huge paintings. Huge, yeah. And I was like, I gotta get the hell out of here, Hans. <laughs> it's creeping me, it's me out. It's creeping me out a little bit. You know what though? But Hans was living the life he, he was, wanted. he was very happy. So we had our catchphrase episode. Oh yeah. Jake from Tampa was like, dollar bills, y'all. Oh, that's what we yeah. That's our catchphrase. I like it dollar bills y'all do i just say that every time we like entered the show that's right that came from uh um,
2: anchorman right we're trying to come up with a catchphrase yeah what, what was that catchphrase that the sports guy did shazam um, that? or something like that.
1: what was that again Wowza. wow wow oh, um then we got lord thy Gout. Lord thy God. Lord, Lord thy God. That's even more important.
2: <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord thy God is a different person.
1: <laughs> uh, does Joe ever rest? If not, then can I use his condo on my next trip to San Diego? Wow. Wow. Lord thy God. Um,
2: well, on. I would say if Lord thy God <laughs> says, can I stay in your room? You, you say yes. <laughs> pretty sure that's that's what you do. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Or else I'm
1: staying in his room So Bring some sooner than later. Bring some bread and wine. And
2: uh, <laughs> make sure oh. you have a couple Bibles later on. Oh my goodness. Oh god. And god. when Lord thy God shows up, make sure you're sitting in your study studying the Bible. Yeah, and you. and you'll be good. All right.